0: My name is Jonathan Church, and I'd like to welcome you to the High Energy Health Radio Show. You can see more about our show at highenergyhealth.net, and I love that site because has so many resources where you can go to find valuable information for your own health and well-being. Each week, I interview people in the healing space, some of them are scientists, some of them are visionaries, some of them are researchers, and I really look for innovative people that are bringing not just great ideas, but also really practical tools for your well-being. So go to highenergyhealth.net. There you'll find various freebies like the EFT mini-manual. You'll get the instructions for e meditation. You'll find many shows you can download. And what I recommend on this show every week is that you immerse yourself in positive ideas, positive energy, positive people, positive messages. I know (laughs) I was watching the TV a night ago with my wife and we clicked from channel to channel and we didn't watch TV that often, but um, after about an hour, we just thought, you know, we'll read a book instead, because we couldn't find anything really uplifting. We could find plenty of things that were depressing, things that were going to bring us down, things that were going to suck our our interest in by appealing to to various kinds of human dramas. But there wasn't much at all that was inspirational, that was kind, that was compassionate, that was inspiring, that was uplifting. And I know, personally, I love to immerse my consciousness in those messages. I meditate each morning, usually for about an hour, an hour and a half or so, and I recalibrate myself away from not just all the chaos in the world, but also the chaos in my own mind. I remember taking a meditation class with a meditation master when I was in my 20s, and he said, now, there are just three simple steps to meditation. And those three steps are as follows. Step number one, still your mind. And I'm thinking, here I am, you know, in my 60s, thinking, Still, my mind? Give me a break. How do I do that? I just think them taking that one out. So it's hard to fill your mind. What you can do though, is you can give your mind stuff to work on that is positive, that is uplifting, that is kind, that is meaningful, that is inspirational. So I recommend you go to our show website highenergyhealth.net and you download several of the MP3s there. Your intuition will guide you, which ones you need to listen to. Maybe it's John Gray, my wonderful friend who wrote the book, Meta from Mars, Women of Venus. Maybe it's Christy Whitman, maybe it's Marty Shymoff, who knows who it might be, but go there and use your intuition, download at least three shows that you can play when you are in a space where you need inspiration. It's really important to not wait until we're in crisis, don't wait until things aren't going well, don't wait until you feel overwhelmed, or till your mind is filled with negative thoughts, and then try and do something. Instead, be proactive, have that MP3 you've downloaded from highenergyhealth.net, have an MP3 on your wireless mobile device, and the moment you feel upset, depressed, out of sorts, off-balance, play that MP3. What you're doing then is you're proactively taking care of your own health, happiness, and well-being. So then you aren't just responding to the bad stuff that knocks you off your game. You are proactively making a plan to go in there and, fix that when it's broken so I really recommend you you know what positive thought you will think today write it down and put it in your wallet put it in your purse tape at your refrigerator put it someplace you can't miss it so that when you think that negative thought you don't stay there for a minute two minutes five minutes let alone an hour <laughs> that you quickly shift that you have you have, you, you have this store of positive messages ready to go and replace. That name thought with. So that's why I so recommend you go to highenergyhealth.net, the show's website. Download all those wonderful programs there, and then as soon as you feel yourself getting sucked into bad stuff, then turn on that that audio and listen to that. I know I was listening to NPR in the car the other day, and I, I quit listening to the radio in the car many years ago because again, it had very little that wasn't going to be full of misery and drama. But I don't know why I turned on the radio and I thought, well maybe, you know, maybe it's been, it's been two or three years, maybe it's something there worth listening to. I listened to a whole half hour segment of National Public Radio. Now I really appreciate the, the people who make that program. They're, they're doing their best. But there was not one single uplifting, inspirational, or positive thought in the whole half hour. And I realized, okay, I can probably turn this off and leave it off for the next two years. <laughs> With you, download those MP3s from highenergyhealth.net, the radio show's website. Have them right there on your smartphone so that the moment your thoughts go off track, the moment you catch yourself doing negative thinking, the moment you have any kind of old worry cross your mind, you have a plan. You prepared yourself. You said, I'm taking a stand for my own health, my own well being, my own happiness, and I'm going to say something positive and good and uplifting and counteract this tendency. Of the mind to focus on the bad stuff. So that's why I emphasize so often that going to the show, downloading those MP3s, and having something at hand to listen to is so powerful. Go to highenergyhealth.net and download some of our shows. Use your intuition, your guidance to ask which ones, and then use those for your own health and well-being. My guest today is Pugito Dove, and Pugito is a coach who shows people how to build thriving businesses and live by increasing their self-awareness, their self-confidence, and trust in their intuition. She's a trainer in personal transformation, she's a meditation expert, she's an abundance coach and hypnotherapist with over 25 years of experience. She's also a best-selling author in Seven Languages and a blogger from the Huffington Post. Brigitte, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show.
1: Thank you. I'm absolutely thrilled and honored to be here, and I look forward to an enlightening conversation. So you train in a lot
0: of different modalities, in hypnotherapy and coaching and meditation. Go ahead and share with us what led you down this path.
1: Yes, I had a very challenging childhood, and what I learned to do was to stuff down my anger, fear, and pain and live in my head. That's how I got through my childhood. But as I grew older, like into my teens and 20s, tools I was using to numb myself out, like smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol, weren't really working for me as my life wasn't really working for me. And I decided that what I wanted to do was heal myself and find a person or some techniques uh, to help me. And I never ever thought I could do meditation. I thought meditation meant sitting in the lotus position, chanting mantras or sitting for hours on end, and I just couldn't possibly do that because I was full of emotional stress and mental overload and physical stress. And then I heard about the expressive meditation techniques, which a teacher called Osho had created. Osho was in India, and I was actually living in London in the UK at the time. And I decided I had to go to Osho's meditation resort in Pune in India and find out if his techniques could work for me, and they did because the idea of the expressive meditation techniques is that you express out in the first stage your anger, frustration, your tears, your laughter, And then in the second stage, you sit in silence. And I found that when I was able to express out all these repressed emotions and tensions within me, that they were released, and I was able to replace all that tension with inner silence and peace and calm.
0: So those two stages were important. The first was really releasing all of that stuff, before you try to sit in silence.
1: Yes, and that was the key. That was why I couldn't sit in silence because I had all this stress buzzing around in my head and mind and I was full of emotional tensions and also physical tensions. And it's a tremendous release to release them in the context of a meditation technique. That's different than if you have a lot of anger, for example, and you just go around yelling at people. Or you stuff your anger down. Neither of those is good. But in the sacred context of a meditation technique, you can express out your anger and then when you sit in silence, it is divine.
0: <laughs> so you literally just scream and yell and say all the bad things that yes, pop into your head. Yes. Um,
1: a good example of that one is the gibberish technique. The gibberish technique was actually created by the Sufi mystic Jabbar and what you do in that is you speak in gibberish. You don't speak in any language that you understand. So you can yell at the, all the people you're mad at, but you do it in gibberish. And, yes, just go for it. Scream and holler and rant and rave. And then there's a pin drop silence, and you sit down, and it, it's quite extraordinary, the um, the contrast from it all the noise, to the silence. And then what you learn is that's a healthy way to express out your frustration, and you also learn that you you can sit in silence. Everybody can. (laughs) The only thing in the way is all that noise, and when you release it, there's the silence that's already there.
0: That is so interesting. And, yeah, uh, people's emotional impediments are usually front and center. And so when they try and sit in meditation, when they try and quiet their mind, when they try and enter that quiet space, what instead crowds into their awareness is all of the mind chatter and all of the emotional deficit that they've experienced so far in their lives. So getting all that out of the way first seems like a valuable way of clearing that space so you can really um, really be there. So you find that, you find that expressing all the stuff and Even saying it in gibberish doesn't make it more acute in your consciousness?
1: Can you say that again? Even saying it in gibberish, what?
0: Yeah, it doesn't make it even more acute in your consciousness. doesn't even bring it to the surface of your awareness even more to say all that
1: stuff. Well, yes, it does bring it to the surface, so that's what you want. Because the last thing you want is it's repressed in the unconscious. Because then it's just sitting there, and it can sneak out unawares and you can either say something or do something really stupid. So you want it to come up to your conscious awareness and then express it out, and then it's gone.
0: So it, it does truly go when you do that. Oh, things showing it totally people, goes. For example, who express anger become the, 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 those neural circuits The people who, who who express anger habitually, those neural circuits become more and more entrained and actually become larger and they become more adept at expressing anger. So what do you find, though, is the opposite, that the people who express this are able to really let it go?
1: Yes, it is gone. The second thing is that it's immediate followed by sitting in silence. And what ha- what's happening is we are reverting back in that silence to our natural state because our natural state is peace and calm and in the silence is there, love, relaxation. And when a whole bunch of noise is released, we drop into that space We go back to our natural state and the soul and the heart and the body remembers, oh yes, this is where, this is where we're supposed to be. And it's, it's what we all want. It's the yearning of the soul to find our way back to that place. And when you do this over time, and this happened to me, so I can voucher it firsthand, the inner silence grows and the noise over time, reduces and reduces until you... Because, because all, your, all your anger is this old baggage. And, and the real um, beauty of this technique is the contrast, so that the soul and the body and the heart can remember that silence, which is more powerful than any anger.
0: So how did you move from experiencing this, sitting with Osho and having these experiences and being able to shift from your past, how did you move from there into being a teacher?
1: Well, the teaching happened in India in Osho's meditation resort because I was asked to train to teach all these meditations completely through me because at that point in my life, I'd never seen me as a meditation teacher. thought I had so many issues, you know, but I guess they saw something in me and asked me to train in all the meditations. So that's, that's where that started and then came, because so this was over 20 years ago when I started the daunting task of bringing these techniques back to the United States, which, you know, at that time was... Uh, the, the horizon was kind of bleak in terms of meditation and certainly in terms of all these expressive techniques. But then a miracle happened was that I was asked to uh, give some presentations of Osho's books in a bookstore in downtown San Francisco. And after my first presentation... The manager there was so taken with me she asked me to do a series and go once a month and they wanted to call the series lunchtime enlightenment and she had to go to new york and she talked about me all over new york and then the next thing was i got a phone call from one of the editors at valentine books asking if i was going to write a book which i wasn't but i said yes i am <laughs> and uh Lunchtime Enlightenment was what I called the book, and I actually even got a, a letter. That was in the days of getting letters. I got a letter from another publishing house saying, this was, this was quite extraordinary, saying, we hear you have written a book called Lunchtime Enlightenment, and if you haven't sold it yet, we'd, we'd like to look at it. So it, it was quite extraordinary what happened, and my book did get written. And it was it was published by a New York publishing house called Lunchtime Enlightenment. And that was my first book. And that was really the the kick off point that helped me realize this is what I was supposed to be doing. And even though the outlook had looked really bleak, here I got this six figure book deal from a New York publishing house without really doing anything at all. Um That helped me understand and realize a little bit how the universe works, that when the universe wants something to happen through you, it it will happen, and you don't have to do a whole lot to make it happen.
0: But there's something that seem to happen very easily, flow effortlessly, in in our lives. When we are in alignment in that way, it's very powerful.
1: Yes, yes. It it really blew me away. And it was interesting because a lot of people asked me then, Oh, how did you get that book deal? What did you do? And did you do a lot of marketing and this, that, and the other? And you know, I said no, I didn't really do anything except follow my passion, which these meditations are my passion. And that's why I think it happened, because I trusted my passion. I wasn't I wasn't going for money, I was going for sharing my passion with these amazing meditations which which have helped me so much, completely transformed me, and I wanted to share them with as many people as possible. So that was where I was coming from. That was my motivation. And, and so that was interesting to share with people then and, and all my clients and students that I've had over the last 20, 25 years that the important thing is to follow your passion, and then the universe will step in to support you. So have
0: there been areas of your life where it's been more difficult than that?
1: Oh yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, after that, I just thought I was—I'd made it, you know, as Mrs. Deepak Chopra, if you like. Ah, ah, ah,
0: ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Too funny. We're going to have to then... a break right now. Hold that thought. We're going to a break right now. Or want to pick up on that. Well, that's very important. We come back. Please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. My name is Doris Church. You'll see more about the show at HighEnergyHealth.net. And more about Sahito. Go to her website. Discover meditation. Com. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a break. Hi, and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and you can find out more about our show at High Energy. HighEnergyHealth.net. At HighEnergyHealth.net, there are also many downloads. There's our basic meditation technique, there's the EFT tapping routine, the free EFT mini manual. There are audios of many of our past guests like Marcy Shymoff and Jack Canfield and John Gray and many others. So go ahead and check out the HighEnergyHealth.net website. My guest today is Brigitte Dove. you can see more about her work and more about her books and teachings at her website, DiscoverMeditation.com. So, for, you, know, you were just telling us before the break about how after you had this effortless flow, how everything was lined up to get that six-figure book deal without even really trying, how everything was working so well, how you felt completely in the flow of the universe after that happened. Then I was asking you before the break if everything in your life was that easy, and you were about to tell me how it wasn't. So, please go ahead and pick up on that point.
1: After after the book deal and the book was published i'm talking about my first book lunchtime enlightenment for those who are just joining us i then had to go out and market the book and demonstrate these meditations and what i found was uh, a lot of the time people weren't ready for them the one the one people were most ready for was the laughter meditation and i'd say to this day that is still the most popular of all the meditations uh, of, of all the expressive meditations, because it's so fun and it's an it's an easy, fun way to get to that place of inner silence and peace and calm. Mm. But that's when I had to uh, start really putting work in, putting on workshops, getting speaking engagements, and doing the nitty gritty grind, if you like, of the day to day to get the book known, to get these meditation techniques known because they were not known and, and actually in a way they're still not largely known although it's, the laughter as I said has become very very popular worldwide actually and yeah so I was thinking I was on this wave and it sort of started to dip a bit and tested my faith in am I really supposed to be doing this but because I'd had such a major success in selling a book. I, I just knew that I was doing the right thing. So it was just a matter of keeping the faith and putting one foot in front of the other on a day-to-day basis um, in a very grounded way. And things really kept going. And to this day, things have gone really, really well.
0: So you then had to follow-up book publication by doing workshops. You felt some of them were well received, others weren't so well received. The one that was best received was the laughter technique and the yeah, laughter and yoga, of course, has been become huge in the last, the last while. And so, I'm just curious, like, I, I noticed parts of my life just seem to flow and unfold very, very easily. The other parts are like treacle. They just don't move very fast at all, and I, I've never quite understood why. <laughs> mm-hmm. what,
1: what, what do you suppose it is? Well, that's an interesting question because I I don't know that I've ever come up with the answer to why, but what I have come up with is a deeply rooted trust that it's all good and all I have to do is keep doing what I do. And sometimes I do things which are a huge success. Sometimes I do things which are less success some years are more successful than others. And it's like there's kind of this ebb and flow. and, And I see that as, I mean, it's like the ocean comes in and goes out. You know, it's like nature, we have night and day and so on. And I've just sort of fallen into this rhythm of accepting when things are a bit more slow and accepting when things are going much faster. And it's really taught me, yes, to trust that, Everything is not going to be perfect all the time and accept what is, which sounds such a simple thing to do, but in practice, as I'm sure you know, it is not. And I feel I've really learned that, that through things not being always perfect, because if it had been always perfect, I don't, I wouldn't have learned how to accept what is. Yeah. And it, it's one of the main Areas in which I help my clients and students because everybody likes it when things are going well and then when they're not going so well or things happen that we don't like so much or it's it's not what we wanted to happen, then we get down or we go into fear or we get angry. And to be able to find that place of deep trust that whatever is happening it's the right thing for us at the time, and I feel that ultimately it's always this lesson in going with the flow, even when the flow doesn't seem to be what we want, or the going in the direction we want it to go. So I've, I found a very, very deep relaxation with life itself, which is a wonderful thing to have, because then whatever happens, and life throws us curveballs from time to time. That's, that's just how life is. We can't control other people, but we can make sure that we are always in a state of presence, of acceptance. And by acceptance, I don't mean passivity, where we're just kind of like, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. Acceptance is more a place of gratitude for what is, for what you have. Because I found when I'm when I'm remembering all the time to be grateful for what I have, things open up in extraordinary ways that I hadn't thought of. And sometimes I find that what I thought I wanted isn't actually what I want. I had that happen mm. recently. Uh, um, tell me the story. Well, the story is a, an audition I did to, to speak for TEDx. You, I'm sure you've heard of the TEDx Talks. Yes. And so that had always sort of been on my bucket list to do a TEDx talk. I had this audition lined up for TEDx Tucson here. I live in Tucson, in Arizona. And I found that I didn't enjoy preparing for the audition. I didn't enjoy the audition. I didn't enjoy how I felt afterwards. And when they sent the audition results, I didn't get it. And to my surprise, instead of feeling horribly disappointed, I felt relief. (laughs)
0: right men have the best thing after all we'll pick up more when we come back on that theme you're listening to high energy health my name is dawson church you can discover more about perita's work at her website discovermeditation.com please stay tuned we'll be right back after a break Hi, and welcome back to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church, and the show's website is highenergyhealth.net, and that is .net, not .comma.org, it's .net, highenergyhealth.net, and there you will find so many ways of uplifting and inspiring yourself, so visit the show's website at highenergyhealth.net, and indulge in many of the wonderful programs you'll find there. My guest today is Brigitte Dub. She's been talking about her book, Lunchtime Enlightenment, about her own journey, about things that have went, gone well in her life, about things that have not gone well in her life. She shared with us in the last segment about doing the TEDx talk. It was one of her goals in life, to do that TEDx talk, and yet she found that she didn't, didn't enjoy preparing for it, didn't enjoy the audition, audition and the audition didn't go well either. So all those things didn't feel good, and I was so struck by that, Brigitte, because Maybe there was some kind of signal coming to you from your own body, from your feelings, from your emotions, from the universe, while you were in that process. What did it feel like?
1: Yeah, thank you. It was very, very interesting to me too because I was so convinced that this was something I wanted to do. I mean, TEDx is very prestigious, and I thought this would be awesome to tell people I, you know, I've given a TEDx talk. <laughs> and and yet when I read the email where they told me I, I had not been accepted, I felt this profound relief in my body. Yes, and. The thing, I, the thing I realized was that to do a TEDx talk, it has to be done in a certain way. And the audition was 10 minutes, and we had to say everything we wanted to say in 10 minutes. If you went over, you immediately disqualified. And I was trying to learn it by heart because so I would remember everything, and that made me very stressed. Uh, because really, the best way I enjoy speaking is extemporaneous speaking. Like what we're doing now, we, nothing is prepared about this talk. We're just both speaking extemporaneously. And that is my favorite way to talk about the things I'm passionate about. And, and what I realized after I, I didn't get the TEDx um, audition was that the TEDx format is not a good match for me yeah uh, because it's it's very it's got a lot of rules and you have to do it all in a certain way, and you certainly can't speak extemporaneously because you have to hand in the outline of your talk beforehand and so what was good for me was seeing that, although I'd always known i think in the back of my mind, I love doing extemporaneous speaking, and I love doing q and a, but it brought it to the forefront, okay, this is really really what I want to do <laughs> is extemporaneous speaking and not try and be like a round peg trying to fit myself in a square hole because I think something is prestigious you know well TEDx is prestigious and it's a wonderful thing it's a wonderful organization yes but recognizing that it's not a good match for me and it doesn't showcase the best of who I am and so that was a very interesting experience and certainly the way my body, as you pointed out, my body told me by the relief that I thought I'd be usually disappointed. So it was a big surprise to feel this relief. And also of course my body had told me when I was preparing for it, which I didn't enjoy the preparation or giving the talk because giving the talk was a bit like a lecture because you don't you don't get any response from the audience. It's not a back and forth thing, it's just a lecture which I don't enjoy lecturing either, so it was a it was a very very interesting experience and was another piece of me knowing myself and not just knowing myself, but trusting that the universe will bring me opportunities. Excuse me, plenty of opportunities to speak and take extemporaneously, like this conversation with you now, and I don't have to try and make things happen or force things to happen which are not a match for who I am and the way my energy is and what it is that I want to express. I so think
0: it's a bit of experience, too. You learn after a while. There are things you would love to do and things that really beckon to you, and maybe they aren't right. And then as you get on in life, as you've had a few miles under your belt, you start to realize, oh, that's just my mind wanting this thing, it's not really congruent with who I am. So I think yes. it also is a result of experience and just noticing which things feel very easy and natural to you and which things are maybe some things you things you really desire mentally but don't feel good or are a struggle.
1: Absolutely. And I also saw it was my ego, you know, the mind that that wanted to do it, but my heart and soul and body <laughs> we're, not, were not into it. <laughs> So, yes, and also about, I think it's important that in life we we do things that are a match for us, like have clients that are a match for us, have friends that are a match for us, go to places that are a match for us. And that's something also you learn from experience, places and people that make you feel good and feel relaxed and at ease. Yes. Where it feels natural,
0: as though you're, yeah. well, my, my wife and I call it a vibrational match, drawn yeah. from the, the words of Abraham. There are some people with whom some friends, situations, places, conversations where we feel we're a vibrational match, others where we just feel we're not a vibrational match, and some not as though there's anything wrong with them, or anything wrong with us, it's just that they don't, don't naturally fit within our, our kind of energy signature. And so, yeah, I think that uh, age and wisdom will give you clues about that.
1: Oh, absolutely, because you always get a feeling. I mean, when you meet people, you know, do you do you light up when you meet certain people or do you kind of get this feeling of dread, you know, or fear or something like that? So our body is always giving us these clues. So when we pay attention to the clues our body is giving us, it makes life a lot easier.
0: Yes, and then and training ourselves to pay attention to them rather than ignoring them Exactly, a big part of the game. Exactly, absolutely paying attention,
1: and that's where you know the ben- the the benefits of meditation techniques comes in because this is how we really get in touch with our feeling state, body, and our mind state, and know ourselves really, really well, so that when we go outwardly into outward situations we can get a really good gauge if this is a good place for us or not. So
0: what for you is that kind of physical signal that this is a good fit for you?
1: Well, I usually feel it, well, you know, I can give you an example. I, a woman I met probably about six months ago, and it stands out to me because I don't often have this happen, but I met her and we were meeting in a restaurant, with three of us, and a friend of mine wanted me to meet this woman. And I went over to her and I shook her hand and I immediately got a bad feeling in my body. It was like a visceral feeling in my body. I got this bad feeling. And we went through the lunch okay and everything, but it was just a signal to me. I trust that implicitly, that this woman, not not to judge her in any way or judge myself, but just she's just not a good match for me, so and nothing good for me will come out of any further connection with her, whereas other people, I can meet them, and I just feel good. And again, it's a visceral feeling in my body, in my core, really, in my center, where I feel good, and I feel light and happy and uplifted around them, and then this is something I want to pursue. Imagine
0: living our lives that way. Imagine living our lives where we're so in tune with those visceral sensations. that we're noticing, all we're being drawn to, which media we're being drawn to, which music we're being drawn to, yes. which books we're being drawn to, which information, which events we're being drawn to, and living our, our whole lives that way. It must be a, that, that really is a way of being in the flow. And once you start to attune yourself to your good in that way, to what the universe, what the universe is guiding you, then that becomes your habitual method of operation, and you then will will do that effortlessly and naturally ongoing. We're talking about tuning into your intuition, tuning into your body signals, tuning in to the signals from the universe that you're receiving about situations around you. We'll have more of this after a break with our wonderful guest today, Pugita Dove. Her book, again, is Lunchtime Enlightenment. Her website is discovermeditation.com. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a break. Hi, and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and to see more about the show, go to highenergyhealth.net. That's highenergyhealth.net. My guest today is Brigitte Dove. Her website is discovermeditation.com. So, Brigitte let's go ahead and talk a bit about that process of being in the groove when you know you're really aligned and things are really unfolding for you and then you're able to be completely attuned with what the universe is bringing to you. I'd love to have you share a couple of times when that happened in your life.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, um, there was a time when I won a three-day trip to the Miraval Resort. It's a health resort and spa. it's in Tucson, Arizona. And it's Oprah's favorite spa, and I'd seen it on TV because Oprah likes to go there, and I'd always thought, wow, how nice to go to a place like that. Then I won this trip. There, it's very, very expensive. This place, and I go there, and I was, I wasn't only enamored with the beautiful place and all the services they offer there, but the mountains and the land. I had this fleeting idea about, wow, it would be amazing to live somewhere like this. But then I didn't really think any more about it because I didn't see how that could happen. I didn't know anybody there and all these things. And then a few years later, I had an astro-cartography session, which is where the astrologer puts your chart on the master globe and tells you where our very positive places for you to live, and the number one that came up for me was Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> and I don't know, some dots connected or something that I'd won this trip to the Miraval. I don't think I would ever have gone to the Miraval and paid for myself. I don't know if I'd have ever would have gone to Tucson, but because Tucson came up. And I had that experience at the Miraval, a very, very positive experience. I immediately knew, oh, that's my place. That's... My soul knew it. My spirit knew it. My heart knew it. And this is where I live now.
0: <laughs> and how did that unfold in real-time and practical considerations of moving houses and so on?
1: Well, um, I had to sell my house where I was living and at the time I was living in Houston, Texas, and again I felt the universe was directing me because I got very, very sick there and I never get sick. I've all got amazing good health. But the whole time I was living in Houston, which is about a year and a half, I I got sick from the toxicity there and That's why I had the astrocartography session, and my first thought was, oh no, I'll, you know, I'll lose money selling my house. I've only been here a year and a half, and oh, this it just felt felt like such a huge thing to do, you know, to move to Tucson. But I sold my house within a week with more than I asked for for it, and an old friend of mine. I found out, lived in Tucson, and she was a realtor. She she helped me find a house in Tucson, a beautiful, beautiful house, and everything fell into place within an eight-week period. It was, it was just very extraordinary how I felt. The universe almost created this to get me to move, and I had a friend to help me, you know, already there in Tucson, and my son drove all my stuff in a truck across for me. and everything just went very, very easily and it was it was quite miraculous. and I was I was really quite in awe of the process because I really felt that it was happening through me that that this was where, where the universe wanted to be and I hadn't got there on my own idea of the universe was creating this for me to be here in this very, very positive place, and particularly it's positive for my health. I mean, my health just improved tremendously as soon as I moved here, and also for my career, for my work. It it seemed that this was the best place for me to live for the unfolding of my work. So it still sort of puts me in awe, just talking about it now, the way it all happened in a way it wasn't even my idea, you know? Wow, that is an amazing story. By by winning this this weekend at the Miraval, the very, very expensive Miraval Resort. Yeah, it was an extraordinary experience of being carried along by a force greater than myself, you know? And imagine if that force greater than ourselves were available to
0: us all the time, every day, just intending our good. And the only variable either was our attunement to it, our willingness to listen, our willingness to tune into it. And that's where I feel meditation is so vital for me. When I use meditation, I know I drop my own preoccupations, I stop thinking my own thoughts, I tune into that kind of intention, that kind of reality field, and then everything starts to flow from there.
1: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And even... Even when things are happening, which seem on the surface not to be so good, like when I kept getting sick in Houston, but it was all part of the divine plan, which I didn't know at the time. (laughs) But that's what got me out of Houston and over here to Tucson. So that's just another piece of it, that everything isn't always, like, perfect all the time. But when we can really trust when it isn't perfect, the divine always has the best outcome in mind for us when we trust. And as you say, we do our meditation every day. I think it's important to do something every day, even if it's just for five minutes. You turn into yourself and really connect to that place of intuition, of peace and calm. Connect to your body. Connect to your heart and listen. And yes. amazing, amazing things happen. They certainly
0: do, and you see those things happen, then that is an impetus to tune in more, happen again, and then after a while, that just becomes your usual state of being, an usual place you go to, an usual way of, of operating. But, you know, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing your stories, for sharing your life journey, for sharing your wonderful insights. I'm so grateful for your work and what you're doing. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much, uh, Dawson, for having me on your show. I'm I'm just thrilled and delighted to
0: have have this conversation with you. Well, many blessings. And again, Progito's website is discovermeditation.com. Please tune in next week for another in our series. We're talking now about thoughts to things, how what you think about, how what you hold in consciousness then has an uncanny way of manifesting in the outside world. I'm your host, Dawson Church. Find out more about the show and hear more in the series at our website, highenergyhealth.net. Till next week, stay healthy, stay happy, stay blessed, and thank you.